Good morning. It's always, uh, I'm always happy to be where the people of God are. And it's just good to see what God is doing here. And I'm so super excited to see Tim and Sarah. <laughs> um, I want us to pray uh, briefly before I start. I understand that Josiah is a bit poorly, so I want us to pray for our kids. Um, and also pray for um, some of our kids are starting their GCSE soon or A-levels. So I would like to do that. And also pray for Brexit because there's a lot of confusion in the country. In fact, many of us are actually tired of Brexit. Hearing about the same thing over and over and over again, our politicians are unable to really, I mean, uh, get a consensus, uh, an agreement on where we are going. But we believe in a God that can give wisdom, that can uh, intervene in a divine way. So let's, let's pray together. God, we just thank you as a family. We come together in agreement. God, we pray for some of our kids that are poorly. We pray for Josiah as a point of contact to some other kids. God, we pray, Lord God, that you will bring healing. You will heal our kids who are poorly right now in Jesus' name. God, we also pray for our children who will be starting their GCSE soon and A-levels. We pray, Lord God, that you will uphold them every time they've spent to prepare. We'll pray that uh, during the exam, Lord God, you will bring everything they have read to their remembrance in Jesus' name. God, we declare victory. We declare success for them in Jesus' name. And we pray for our country with the Brexit thing going on. We don't actually know where we are going. Nobody is, some people are um, on the right side. Some people are on the left side. God, we pray that there will be divine intervention. God, we pray that you will give them wisdom and we're going to get a direction. God, that will make this country prosperous. Lord God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What's the time? No, it's 10 minutes to 11. 10 past. It's either I need to change my wristwatch or the battery is gone. So let me just throw this away. <laughs> oh, you can have it. <laughs> um, today, I want to talk about being passionate about discipleship. Um, <clears throat> it's something that, this is a topic that, no, don't let me use the word topic. Yes, I can use it. This is a message that has been on my heart for a long time. Uh, many times when I go out to preach uh, in any nation, uh, uh, when I'm meeting with people, I'm always passionate about discipleship. Uh, and I say to people, one of the reasons why we have a lot of pastoral problem issues, I said a lot, not every pastoral problem of issues, is, is because of discipleship. And one of the things I discovered is that actually discipleship is not for the leaders to do. It's every one of us that should be involved in discipleship. It's every one of us that should be involved in discipleship. So I'm going to look at two areas of discipleship this morning. Um, uh, the first thing I wanted to say is that 
you can't be a Christian unless you are a disciple. So we, I hear people saying, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. In those days, you can, did I say in those days, actually, being called a Christian is a nickname given to us by unbelievers. So you cannot be called a Christian if you are not a disciple. So it's, it's, it's not the other way around. Now that we have Christians, and then when you are called Christian, then you can be disciple. No, it has to be, you have to be a disciple before you are a Christian. Let's look at that in Acts. I don't even think I'm following my slide. <laughs> don't worry, I will just, you, I'm sure you will flow with me. <laughs> I think it's Acts 11. I hope so. Acts chapter 11, where they were first called Christians in Antioch. Am I really, really, yes, chapter 11, where's my glasses? Yes, I can see now. Uh, Verse... um, 26. It says, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. Uh, or let's start from verse 25 so that you can get the context and the story. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, so when Barnabas found Saul, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christian first at Antioch. Did you see that? So you cannot be a Christian if you are not a disciple. So the disciples were the ones who were called Christian. So I wanted to bring that. Now the second thing I noticed is that Jesus did so many things. When he came, he healed the sick. He raised the dead, he preached, he visited people. And I, like I used to say, if you are living in those days and Jesus came to visit you in your house, you are in trouble. You know why? There was a time he visited somebody in the house. And as he was preaching and healing people, some friends heard that Jesus was in that house. So they went to go and look for their sick friend and brought him to the house. So when they got there, first of all, <laughs> like I used to say, if you invite Jesus to your house, prepare lunch for 12 people. <laughs> because he will come with his, 12, his 11 disciples. 11 or 12. So prepare lunch for 13 people. <laughs> and then don't just prepare lunch for 13 people because the whole place will be full of people. So the house was so full that they didn't know how to get in to meet Jesus. You know the next thing they did? They went to the top and removed the roof. So if you invite Jesus to your house, the next thing you should be thinking of is that your roof will be removed. (laughs) So Jesus did so many things. But I discovered that there was one thing he concentrated on. Discipling the twelve. He was pouring his life. He was pouring himself. He was pouring his character. He was pouring the principles of the kingdom 
into them. That no matter what you do, I'm, I'm pouring these core values into your life that will form you, that will make you to be fishers of men. And I discovered that when Jesus Christ will say, follow me, he will tell you the reason why you are following him. So you cannot just be a disciple without any goal in view. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So it, he told them already what he wanted to make them to be. That is, that is Christianity. That is being discipled. That there is something in our lives. And God doesn't want us to use our energy. It's not by power. It's not by might. There is something that can inspire us. That can propel us. That can uh, catapult us. That can transform us. That can move us by the power of the Holy Spirit. To have these core values. That when people see it. People will be blessed. People will be transformed. And then we ourselves. We are enjoying the life of God. Everywhere we go. That was the intention of Jesus. Then the second thing I noticed. Or the third thing I noticed. Is that, and this is, you know, many people followed Jesus. You know, looking and studying the life of Jesus is so exciting. If you follow Jesus, even if it's not for Jesus, you will have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. (laughs) You know that there will be food, there will be bread that will be available. So, even following Jesus, even if you ate him, you know food will be available for you. You can't go hungry. So, I noticed that many people followed Jesus. Until I got to Mark chapter 4. Sorry, Graham, I'm not just following my slide today. Anywhere I get to, I will stop. <laughs> Mark chapter 4. There was something that was very, very curious to me. For example, if you read chapter 4, verse 2. No, let me read from verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd, did you see how many people following him? The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in in it out on the lake. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parables. And in his teachings, in his teaching said, listen. So the Two things I want you to notice from that. Large crowd followed Jesus. He taught them. But his teaching was in parables. Now, when you go further, in verse 10, the Bible says, when he was alone, remember, he taught the people in parables. But when he was alone, So this is where discipleship is very important. The twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them the secret of the kingdom. He began to go further and deeper 
about what he taught them in parables. So the first thing I want to say is that being a disciple is not a general information that everybody has had. Because anybody could be moral. That's not the issue. It requires a deeper an intimate relationship with Jesus that is deeper than what the general public understands. Two, it requires asking genuine, genuine questions. Not questions to criticize Jesus. You know, we can ask good questions from our father. Hmm, let me explain what I mean. It's like we are going through a situation and you say, God, why are you allowing me to go through this situation? If you say you are a good God, why is this thing happening to me? You can't even rescue me. And you say you are all powerful and you can't deal with my case. I say, well, I remember when I lost my mom almost one year ago. For two days, I couldn't eat. I could, I, it, was, it was so painful. My mom was 81 years old when she died. <laughs> I can't believe it. It's, it's now that I'm just thinking to myself, Kufu, are you not being foolish? I wanted my mom to live 100 years. <laughs> I was praying that she would live 100 years because I just love my mom. She impacted me so much. So in my head, I was thinking, oh, she has another 20 more years. <laughs> so for two days, I was so, so down. Until God spoke to me. And God said, Kofo, have I been so good to you? I said, yes. Have I been so good to your mom? I said, yes. And God said, it's because of my goodness that I allowed your mom to come and be with me. That settled the case for me. How can, how can, I've never seen it that way, that it's because of God's goodness that he allowed my mom to go home to be with him. But for two days, I was like, why did you allow her to die? That we all go through. Sometimes we ask questions. But when it comes from a genuine heart, that God, I'm going through pain. I was grieving. I was grieving, but I wasn't assassinating the character of God that you're, you're, you're a bad God. It's different. I was, why did you take her? I was hoping she would be at least even give her one more year. God, but God spoke to me. So these people, they came to Jesus and they asked him, please, I want you to know that you can ask God any question. Even Jesus asked God. He said, why have you forsaken me? So don't think asking God questions. is Please ask God. As long as it comes from our heart. Let's ask God questions. Because I was asking God, why did you allow my mom to just go? And he gave me a good answer. <laughs> that settled my own case. So all I'm just saying here is that disciples ask questions in order for them to grow. So, the last thing I want to say about that before I jump is in verse 33. 
It says, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke to the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But, you know, one of the things that I'm always happy about, or I got to understand is, everything Jesus taught, he taught them in parables. But when he came to the disciples, he says, but when he was alone with his own disciples. So the next thing I want to say is this. Discipleship is personal. Discipleship is personal. My wife is being discipled. My children are being discipled. I'm also being discipled. I cannot assume because I'm growing in God, I'm getting matured. My wife is also getting matured. So what do I do? I encourage her also. I encourage my children. I give them Bible passages to read. And I ask them questions. I walk along with them. That's why the Bible says we should encourage each other as it, as it, as it is called today. I need you to help me. I need you to help me to grow. You also need me. It's not a one-way, it's not a one-way thing. What God has taught you in your private life, I want you to, if you see an area, I want you to encourage me. I was talking to Becky, one of the members of the church. She is one of the Connect Group leaders. And uh, her children, they finished the university. So I went to her, I said, disciple me. <laughs> she was shocked. <laughs> you know, many people think that the leaders are just perfect. Everything just goes smooth with them. I said, I need to be discipled. <laughs> How did it do? How did you do it? How did you manage to do it? Especially my son, who is, <laughs> they've accepted him in London. An accommodation alone is like paying mortgage here. <laughs> so I was saying, ah, how are we going to do it? And she said some things to me that really comforted me, that really encouraged me. It's, it's possible. Then how did you do it? I was being discipled in my faith. But she was a church member. She was a connect group leader. So I think we need each other. So what God has taught you alone, impart me. That's why tomorrow I'm waiting, meeting with Roger. We're going for coffee. And every time we just meet together, it's always fantastic. We rub on each other. Sometimes I will tell him, I want to learn from you. And we learn from each other. That is what should happen. But I want you to know first of all that it's a personal thing. But what you have learned personally, you can rub with another person. Wow, my time is gone. <laughs> I've got four more minutes. <laughs> okay? Let me see what I can do. I'll, 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 I'll try. I'll try. Oh, I've got more. Okay. I'll, I'll try. I'll be very, very sensible, honestly. So, so let me go into my message. <laughs> John chapter 2. <laughs> <laughs> John chapter 2. Please, I want you to see this case scenario. John chapter 2, verse 23. I want us to read it together. If you've got your Bible, if it's on your phone, if it's... <clears throat> it says, verse 23. 
Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not commit. He would not entrust himself to them for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind for he knew what was in each person. Wow. This is the first shock I got. The Bible says many people saw him. They saw the signs he performed and they believed in him, in his name. Now, the next question is, the Bible says he did not commit He did not entrust himself to them. I don't know whether you're understanding what I'm saying. So just to believe is not a loan for Jesus to commit himself to you. So I was thinking, so Jesus, what are you looking for? That will make you to commit yourself to me. Just being a believer is not enough for Jesus to commit himself to us. You know why? The devil is also a believer. <laughs> the Bible says he dresses like the angel of light. He believes. He can even quote the Bible more than me, more than you. So the next thing I'm thinking about is, who are the people that Jesus can commit himself to? Who are the people that Jesus can trust can say, these are the people I can, I, can, I can share with them. I can give them something, and then I know they will steward it well. I think that's the next question we should ask, and we should get an answer. Don't you think so? So who are the people? If the Bible says people believed in his name, but he didn't commit himself to them. So who are the people that Jesus will commit himself to? So let's look at John chapter 8 to find the answer. John chapter 8, verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, did you see it now? These people believed in his name, but he didn't commit himself to them. So these people now came and said, we believe in your name. So let's hear what Jesus says. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Please, does anybody have another translation in verse 31? Please help me. RSV, ESV, Message Bible, Good News Bible, uh, King James Version. Please help me to read verse We are doing this, you know, I told you, discipleship is about flowing together. So you need to flow to me. (laughs) Is that okay? Because this is very important for me. Even if this is what we are going to discuss today, I'm very happy. He says, if you hold to my teaching. Please, another translation. Yes, ma'am. Yes. So, if you abide... In my word. The first one says, if you hold to my word, to my teaching, 
The second one says, if you abide, another translation, please. The first one, hold. The second one, abide. The third one is, pardon? Keep on obeying. Keep on obeying. Yes, please. Is any other person going to help me? Please help me. Pardon? If you continue, please let's take that again. Hold to my words. Abide. Keep on obeying. Continue in my word. That's very good. Excuse me, what does it mean to hold to my teaching? When you say you hold something, what does it mean? Pardon? To retain. You don't let go. There is no circumstance that will, let, that will make you to let go. It appears to me as if wherever I find you, because you are holding on to that teaching, you will see the word of Jesus Christ. Wherever you see the word of Jesus Christ, you will know that Mike is around. Are you understanding? So there is no separation between you and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And then, you don't do it today. And then, tomorrow, they don't see the teaching of Jesus Christ around you. And then, uh, after tomorrow, you continue in it. It says, if you continue, keep. What does it mean to keep? What does it mean? You know, hold is different from keep. Oh, I'm in Britain. This is where the source of English grammar is. What's the difference between hold and keep? You, you. Oh, thank you, Ben. So it appears to me as if what Jesus is saying is, it's not just for you to hold it. Keep it. Protect it. There will be situations in life, pressures in life, that will want to, to, to destroy it, distort it, and take it away from you. What should you do? Use intercontinental ballistic missiles to protect what Jesus says. Jesus is saying, once I see that in you, I will commit myself to you. That's discipleship. That when you are at work, you don't hide it. You still, you still you hold it. So, just because you are at work doesn't mean that you should leave the teachings of Jesus Christ at home. The values, honesty, transparency, you know, the love of God for people still radiate in your workplace. Your eagerness to help people, which is one of the core values of Jesus Christ. Compassion is not when you are in church that your compassion for people is manifested even when you are driving. <laughs> Can you imagine? So you don't let go. You are still holding on to the teachings of Jesus Christ even when somebody annoys you. I don't know whether you notice sometimes, especially in summer, some of those young boys and girls, they will put on the radio 
And it's so loud that even in Buckingham Palace from Manchester, they might be hearing what they are saying. And you, you want your quietness. And there's still a compassion from you. The core values of Jesus. The character of Jesus. You still don't let that go. You don't forget it. Oh, did you understand what I'm saying? So we hold on to it. Jesus says, these are the people I will commit myself to. That when you are going to challenges, does not make you to let go. If you hold on to my teachings. Wow. Can I have four minutes more? Okay. Just four more minutes and I'm going to close. I've got ten minutes. Fantastic. Fantastic. So I can say two more things before we close. Can you imagine? It is this kind of life that you are living. And you know what I'm, 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 I'm about to say? It doesn't mean that you would arrive the first day you start doing this. Because we are learning. How many of you? Thank God that we have so many children here. Your children, the day he or she starts walking, so can you are, you are saying, go on, go on, you are excited. And then it falls down. Will you say, you are no longer my child. Why did you fall down? No. Discipleship is a process that God, is, that God, that God will allow us to go through in order for us to see whether we are still holding on to, whether we are still keeping his teachings, his character. Is core values. Should I quickly tell you something? The best thing to show me that you are able, you have self-control in anger, is something that makes you angry. Do you know that? The only way I will know that there is anger in you or in me is when I do something to make you angry. <laughs> So that doesn't mean that you should let go. The teachings of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I've been married for 22 years. The best person that can make me know that I'm patient is my wife. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> God just gave me a woman. And God gave me to her. You know? <laughs> Some of those little, little, she doesn't even need to say anything. <laughs> The best way to know that you are patient is when somebody does something that makes you angry. They will want to see how you will react. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, let's look at Matthew. That's where I'm going to stop. Matthew chapter 11. I think I've got, I've got a slide for that. So many slides for that. Yes, I'm getting there eventually. Verse 27, it says, all things have been committed to me by my father. I just like to hear that word every time, commit and trust. No one knows the son except the father, and no one knows the father except the son, and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. He now says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, 
and I will give you rest. So the first thing about being discipled, you know, I've not been able to talk about making disciples, which next time when I come, probably that's what I will deal with. How do I make disciples? But let's talk about we being discipled. Okay? It says, come to me. Please, I don't want you to misunderstand me. Jesus didn't say, come to church. Come to the apostle. Come to the pastor. And you know what I like about pastors? If you are men of God, women of God, like we have in our church, if you're a woman, you can be a pastor. Is that when you, <laughs> when you come to pastors and you're saying, oh, these are the issues, oh, these are the things that I'm going through, you know what I like about them? They'll say, okay, let's pray together. They would not have never seen a pastor taking your burden or taking the burden of the church and taking them home with, with him or her. They'll say, let's pray. They will quickly throw it back to God. We should learn how to go to Jesus. We come to church in order for us to meet Jesus. If we gather together like this and we have not encountered Jesus and we are not saying, Jesus, what is it about you that you want me, okay, to encounter about you today? We have not met Jesus. The church is only together. We are all together in order for us to meet Jesus. So Jesus says, come to me, 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 me. You know why? He's the only one that has the capacity to resolve and to deal with our restlessness. He's the one that died for us. Human beings, we don't have capacity. I don't have one million pounds to pay for your mortgage. Is the one that took away our sins, that bore our sicknesses. So we should learn first of all to go to Jesus. And you know what I like about my ministry? When people come to me, what's the next thing? What do you think I'm doing? I'm pointing people to Jesus. It's not about me. So the first thing we need to, when it comes to discipleship, is about. Jesus, I've come to you. You are the one that has the words of life. So, the first thing is to come. What's the next thing? It says, take my yoke upon you. Discipleship is voluntary. Please, if anybody says to you, whether you like it or not, you must be discipled. Run away. (laughs) You have to be willing. It's not something that needs to be forced. You go at your own pace, but you make sure you are learning Jesus. Discipleship is not compulsory. Nobody needs to take it for you. It is voluntary. You have to take it. (laughs) Oh, are you following me? Because in those days, they used to force us. I remember when they said... I couldn't speak in tongues when I was in the university. So they, they, they lay hands on my head and they were just twisting my head. You must speak in tongues. 
So when my neck was spinning me, I just made something up. La, 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 la. Oh, they say, oh, you, say, oh, you can't speak in tongues now. I ran to my room. You don't need to be forced. But you need to be willing to take it. It's all about Jesus. What's the next thing I found? He said, for I am gentle and humble in heart. So if you are actually following Jesus, we know what to expect. Humility and gentleness. One of the first things I discovered that when you are following Jesus, one of the, the two core values I saw about him is gentleness and humility. Meekness. What's the next thing? It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I think I will stop with learn from me. Excuse me, what does it mean to learn? That's where I'm, I'm stopping today. When you say you are learning something, you're, Aruna, you're a lecturer, and I thought you would just raise up your hand. What does it mean to learn? Please help me. There are a lot of teachers. Ah, Graham, you proofread my, some of the essays I write. <laughs> I can't imagine. I have a lot of people here. Please help me. Please, anybody help me. What does it mean to learn? Yes. To educate. So, <laughs> thank you for that. It means to educate. It means that there are certain things in order for us to learn. We have come to a position that there are some things we need to learn, to be educated about, that we are ignorant of. So I discovered that for me to be discipled, I don't need to be full of myself and think I know everything. No, I need to be in a position of humility to say, Ruth, Andy, you can teach me something. And now... I can't believe the children I gave birth to, they are my children. 11-year-old girl was teaching me pronunciation. (laughs) You say, daddy is Arthur. Say, ah. Then I will say, ah. Arthur. My daughter that I gave birth to. (laughs) She was born here. She knows everything. I have to can you imagine for me to say, I'm your dad? Like, <laughs> when my, my, my daughter, uh, when she was, was it nine or ten, the, old, the eldest one, and uh, normally I would just go to their room, say, dad, go back, you need to knock. I said, this is my house. I said, no, your dad, go back. I discovered that actually I need to go back. I can't go back. I can't just enter a guest room. Can you imagine my daughter? I said, this is my house. No, no, dad, go back. <laughs> so I went back <laughs> reluctantly, and I knocked. to said, okay, come in. <laughs> so, you know, to learn, like you are saying, we have to be in a place to say to ourselves, we don't know everything. We are in a place that anybody can teach us. Yes, please, educate. So that's good. Oh, thank you, Graham. There are so many things to learn about Jesus. 
Every day you wake up, it's as if you are saying, Jesus, what is something new you want me to learn? You want me to understand about you? That's the kind of life Jesus is saying. He says, learn of me. So there are times when aunt will just come to my office and we are there just, just talking together. I'm learning, aunt can bear witness to this. There are times, I mean, he can bear witness. There will be a problem on my computer. For one month, I will try and sort it out. I will try and I will do everything. Aunt will come. Honestly, ask him. Less than one minute. What I've been struggling with for one month. Aunt will come and sort it out in less than one minute. Aunt is there, you can ask him. I discovered that so many times we struggle in life. We are trying our best. Let's expose ourselves. Let's say there's something that I don't know that is new that I need to understand about Jesus. That's the attitude Jesus wants us to have. The last thing before I stop. Oh, yes. I have to stop. Last thing. Yes, Aruna. Pardon? You see, lecturers, (laughs) they are different from teachers. (laughs) They will bring something big that you need a dictionary (laughs) to understand. You see, yes, can you break it down, sir? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Wow. I just believe, can can you see what Jesus is, what we can learn about Jesus? I believe God wants to help us. But we've got something going on for us that God himself is in our heart, is in our lives. And we are learning more about him. We are holding, we are faithful, we are committed to him flowing more into our lives. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Let's just spend one minute to pray for ourselves. Let's spend one minute to pray for ourselves. God is for us. God is with us. He wants us to come. He wants us to take. He wants us to learn. Yes, I want us to just say, Lord Jesus, I put myself in that place where I humble my heart. God to receive, to learn, to be educated. I want to know you more. I want to be transformed every day. I want to grow and I want to mature in you. Jesus, that's our heart cry this morning that we want to grow, we want to learn, we want to be discipled. Thank you because you are willing, you are committed to teaching us, to helping us to show us the way, to make us to know that there's actually much more for us. Thank you, Jesus, because you will never give up on us. I'm just asking this morning, God, that you would do exceedingly, abundantly, far above what we have asked or we are thinking, according to the power that you have put inside our lives that is at work in us. Holy Spirit, help us. Reveal Jesus to us testify of Jesus to us. We want to be more like Jesus so that in our, in our homes, 
with our children, with our husbands, with our wives, God, with our colleagues, people will see Jesus inside our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Sorry, I went two minutes over. <laughs>